This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, January 26th. You're listening to WNBF. Authorities are looking into the circumstances surrounding the death of a Binghamton resident. Police officers were sent to a home at 3 Whiting Street on the city's east side shortly after 8 a.m. yesterday. Detective Captain Corey Miner said a death investigation is underway. He declined to release the name of the 63-year-old man who resided in the small single-family home. The man apparently lived in a house by himself. The residence is located on Whiting Street. It's a short street that runs between Bigelow Street and Fellows Avenue. The street is just north of the Route 17 Expressway. Patrol officers and investigators canvassed the neighborhood after the body was discovered. The man's body was removed from the home just before 4 p.m. Tuesday. One neighbor told WMBF News the man had lived in the house for at least four decades. He was described as kind of a recluse who seldom was seen outside. He apparently continued to reside there after his parents died. The neighbors said a truck from a local plumbing and heating company was observed in the driveway of the house Tuesday morning. More than a week after the Endwell McDonald's restaurant suddenly shut down its grills, the company's cartoon mascot remains alone inside looking over a once-busy playland. There's been no word from McDonald's Corporation on the decision to close the operation on East Main Street, which was located directly across from a Burger King restaurant. The McDonald's, which featured a kid's play area, opened in 1997. The fast food company acquired the property from the town of Union for $80,000. The restaurant was built where the Hooper School Building had stood for 78 years. After the school was closed by the main end well school district the site was used for several years by the town of union for a time it was the home to a state police substation and to studios used by wskg public television people who live and work in the area expressed some surprise that the mcdonald's unit closed without advance notice on january 15th but some acknowledged the place didn't appear to be as busy as the chain's other area locations on january 25th the broom county sheriff's office warrants division arrested matthew hackle a 36 year old man from the town of vestal hackle is being accused of failing to register is an address with the New York State Sex Offender Registry. As a result of the investigation, Matthew Hackle was charged with one count of failure to register under the Sex Offender Registration Act. Hackle was processed for arrest and is currently in the custody of the Broome County Sheriff's Correction Facility. Of all the questions swirling around U.S. Representative George Santos, one of the most serious has been how he amassed the personal fortune he used to finance his campaign. The Republican filed new campaign finance reports Tuesday suggesting that maybe some of the money wasn't his after all. Santos is campaign provided the Federal Election Commission amended reports indicating some of the money he lent his campaign didn't come from his personal funds, as indicated on previous campaign finance reports. Questioned by reporters Wednesday, Santos said he couldn't explain the changes because someone else files campaign finance reports. Santos has admitted making up key parts of his life story. New York's Attorney General has warned Madison Square Garden that it may be violating anti-bias laws with its practice of barring lawyers from firms involved in litigation against MSG from its venues, including Radio City Music Hall and the Garden itself. The Attorney General's office says in a letter to Madison Square Garden officials that the ban and the use of facial recognition technology to enforce it may violate anti-discrimination laws. A representative for MSG says the policy does not unlawfully prohibit anyone from entering our venues, and it is not our intent to dissuade attorneys from representing plaintiffs in litigation against us. 
The U.S. economy likely rolled out of 2022 with momentum, registering decent growth in the face of painful inflation, high interest rates, and rising concerns that a recession may be months away. Economists have estimated that the gross domestic product, the broadest measure of an economic output, grew at a 2.3% annual pace from October through December. The Commerce Department will issue its first of three estimates of fourth quarter GDP growth on Thursday. Despite a likely second straight quarter of expansion, the economy is wildly expected to slow and then slide into a recession sometime in the coming months as increasingly high interest rates engineered by the Federal Reserve take a toll. Facebook parent company Meta says it will restore former President Donald Trump's personal account in the coming weeks, ending a two-year suspension it imposed in the wake of the January 6th insurrection. The company said in a blog post Wednesday it is adding new guardrails to ensure there are no repeat offenders who violate its rules. Trump was suspended on January 7th, the day after the deadly 2021 insurrection. Other social media companies also kicked him off their platforms, though he was recently reinstated on Twitter after Elon Musk took over the company. Responding to the news, Trump blasted Facebook's original decision to suspend his account and praised Truth Social, the site he created after being blocked from Twitter. And an asteroid the size of a delivery truck will whip past Earth on Thursday night. One of the closest encounters ever recorded, NASA insists it will be a near miss. The space agency said Wednesday that this newly discovered asteroid will zoom 2,200 miles above the southern tip of South America. NASA says there's no risk of an impact. Even if it came a lot closer, scientists say most of it would burn up in the atmosphere. Discovered Saturday, the asteroid is believed to be between 11 feet and 28 feet across. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, a slight chance of snow showers before noon, then a slight chance of snow showers after 3 p.m. Cloudy with a high near 35 degrees. Wind gusts as high as 29 miles per hour. 20% chance of snow. Tonight, a slight chance of snow showers before midnight. Mostly cloudy with a low near 25 degrees. 20% chance of snow. Tomorrow, a slight chance of snow showers before 10 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a high near 34. 20% chance of snow. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy with a low near 26. Saturday, mostly cloudy with a high near 40. Saturday night, cloudy, a low near 28 degrees. And Sunday, rain and snow showers likely becoming all rain after 11 a.m. Cloudy with a high near 40 degrees, 60% chance of rain. Sunday night, chance of rain and snow showers before 10 p.m. Then a chance of snow showers between 10 p.m. and 1 a.m. Cloudy with a low near 29 degrees, 30% chance of rain. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. Bob Joseph live, ready to roll on a Thursday. This is January 26, 2023. The number is 607-772-1290. Email bob at wnbf.com. All right, let's do it. Let's do it live on News Radio WNBF. In a crowd in the city like Portland, Portland, Undercover on the edge Across at me, with eyes that look but cannot see. Out of reach, out of love, stepping out of bounds. Every day gets to move around, I never know what's in the way of the mind. Every day gets to move around, I feel so much. All right, let's get things started with John in Binghamton. Good morning. 
And welcome to our Thursday edition. Uh, you know, uh, my advice uh, to people uh, that have school-age children is to leave Binghamton at once. You cannot leave if you have children uh, and you want the best for them and you want them to get an education and you want them safe. Get out of the city of Binghamton immediately. Don't waste 24 hours. Uh, the schools, the Binghamton schools are gone. G-O-N-E. Gone. They're shocked. Uh, you have uh, people who are of preferred uh, uh, status, students, running a reign of terror in the halls of the high school. They're the boss. Uh, get your kid out immediately for their own safety. Why is this allowed? Uh, it's allowed because the school boards, successive school boards, back when I was speaking, and, and by the way, when I was the only speaker, there was a period of time, six months or a year, where I was the only speaker, and they had actually uh, enacted the cutting of public comment time because of me, because of me. Uh, now, you can get up there, as in the city council, you can use foul language, disobey all the rules, and still be allowed to speak. Now, there is, all over the country, there is no more, at Board of Education meetings, there is no more of than a three-minute speaking time. These people were allowed at the school district level to go on and on and on and on. Uh well, how can, seriously, how can you stop them? If people won't stop talking, what are they supposed to do? Uh, you have them arrested and thrown out of the meeting. You arrest them for disorderly conduct. And you know, uh, I'm going to tell you, last night at the city council meeting, you know, you want to talk about absurdity. Aviva Friedman, uh, the city council person, actually compared the speakers two weeks ago to Rosa Parks and Harriet Tubman. I can assure your audience, and I can assure Aviva Friedman, that they didn't use four-letter words. But times were they, different then. Right now, trust me, we have six-month-old kids. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating. Right now, we have very young kids who use those words and more, even words that weren't heard at the recent city council meeting. So I think I think a lot of the words that were unacceptable when we were growing up, I think now they've become mainstream. And although it is unusual to hear some of the language that's been employed in, in recent weeks at City Hall during the public meetings, I don't think it has any shock value anymore. It used to. It used to. When we were growing up back in the day, you know, you said some of those words. Gee, even if I said heck and darn in some circumstances, I was, we'll just say, it was discouraged from, from where I was growing up. Well, you have uh, around 2,000 less students uh, at Binghamton School, in the Binghamton schools right now, than at the peak. And yet you have 
tens of millions of dollars more spent on education while you have uh, continually at the bottom of schools in New York State as far as academics. It is absolutely unacceptable to me, and uh, it should be unacceptable to anybody that has a history with the Binghamton school system. But uh, it's over with. It is absolutely over with. It goes from one absurdity to another. And this is a group, a small group of people, a very small group of people, uh, that are coming out of the Citizen Action Office to do this. And, you know, if it was a broad-based coalition, it would be one thing. And, by the way, let me state this. I don't disagree with some of the points that are made. So this is not about us versus them in that sense. But what I'm saying is that, uh, you know, uh, look at the Binghamton City Council. You know, uh, remember no taxation without representation? Remember that phrase? Well, the first ward has no representation. They should be given a refund for uh, Giovanni Scaringi's salary because they have no say at these meetings. There's, There is no alternate that represents their interest. Giovanni Scarinci represents his own interest. He is a career guy. God bless him. He, joined, he, he volunteered to join the military only after, only after it was assured that he would have no political competition in that election, ran for public office. Now he has amassed the worst attendance record in the history of the Binghamton City Council thing. Now, uh, are the residents of the first ward, are they entitled to represent? I mean, it's great that he's in the service. That's great. Uh, wonderful. But uh, his service to the country leads to his lack of service for the residents of the first ward. So, I mean, you know, uh, Binghamton, Binghamton is gone. You've got a, a, a guy, 30-year-old mayor, 25% of his term is already expired. This guy is qualified to absolutely do nothing. I, I, I don't want to denigrate by naming a name. Uh, if he was the manager of a – he couldn't manage a fast food restaurant because that's a big task to keep all the moving uh, pieces uh, in play. He couldn't do it. Uh, his father was on the government payroll uh, for since he was 30. Uh, this guy is a complete, absolute disaster. Uh, he is going to take this city down faster, and it's only going now because of American Rescue Funds. These American Rescue Funds were used to pay credit card bills. Who knows what it's about? Used to buy balloons or brooms. I don't know what. Uh, used Most of it went to the police and fire guys. Well, plus I mean, uh, got- the roof over the city council chamber. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was, to, I think, six hundred fifty or seven hundred thousand dollars. So that was money well spent. Well, I'll tell you something. I looked at the city from a different angle around noon on Saturday, and I was at the uh, Kilmer uh, building, not the Kilmer Mansion, and I was looking at the view from from that angle. So I was facing south, southwest, and I can tell you something. Binghamton never looked worse. Uh, you've got this multi-million dollar federal project that restored the Kilmer building. And what do you have outside? You have blacktop and no curbs. You have a 
sidewalk <clears throat> with no curbs. If you look at the buildings downtown, you will see all you'll see is potential for huge fires, uh, uh, you know, devastating fires. And you can spot the code violations with your naked eye. And uh, I have never this city. And I, again, I, I, I hate to repeat myself, but I'm in a lot of cities in upstate New York working. This city is absolutely filthy, disgusting, and unrecognizable, even, even if you go back to the 1970s. What I'm telling you is this. There's a giant sucking sound. And this narrative about young people wanting to, uh, and the arts going to revive Binghamton is finished as it is finished elsewhere because it is long in the tooth. When the Oakdale Commons project opens up, the giant sucking sound is going to suck all the life out of what's left of downtown Binghamton. And I think that the uh, mayor won't be able to find tenants, the ex-mayor, the former mayor. Oh, yeah. He has, uh, by the way, for people who need uh, um, prime space on Court Street, a block and a half from your favorite radio program, space is available. And you can contact him. because, As far as I know, I haven't spoken with him since the restaurant closed, but I, as far as I know, there's no new tenant planning to move in unless they put in a Chick-fil-A. Well, that's it. Nobody, nobody uh, wants to live in Binghamton. Nobody uh, who uh, wants their kids to grow up to be something would wish what's left of the Binghamton school system on their worst enemy. Uh, this is a sham. This is shambles. It is proof positive that the university was never going to revitalize the city of Binghamton. That was another false narrative. And you've got counsel. Uh, I, I think they adjourned uh, within an hour. You you have never had a lazier city council in the history of Binghamton. Uh, they don't do anything. They've gotten raises. And let me just say this. The Jack Sheehan proposal to cut council to five, and it was finally uh, cut from nine to seven, but the absence of Giovanni Scaringi proves that that we uh, have at least one councilman, one surplus councilman, because he's never there. So well, maybe there will be a, a move going forward. Remember, it wasn't too long ago that city council had nine members. In fact, years and years ago, I think there were a lot of more members, weren't there? I don't know. It oh, seems there, like there were there 15 was, districts yeah. or something. I don't know yeah, all but, the history, but hey, at this rate, you know, that they may just as well re, rework city council and put it down to three seats. Yeah. Here's the solution. The county legislature and Broom, uh, Binghamton City Council are the only two legislative bodies that do not have uh, at-large representation. They have districts, and they're the two most ineffective legislative bodies that we have. You need at-large representation, just like you have at the school board level, uh, uh, at the city council. And that is what's holding Binghamton back. But I don't, uh, I, I think it is, the city is going to collapse. It, it's, it's physically collapsing. Uh, these buildings are sinking. Uh, there are no fire code sweeps. 
you know, you've got well, eyesore. trust me. Here's no, don't trust me. By the way, don't trust anyone who says trust me. Strike that from the record. My sense is at some point in the coming weeks, we'll have another photo op from the fourth floor talking about one of those crackdowns, like a, a photo op crackdown, because these happen every so often. I don't know if it's once a year or every 18 months, something we're, we're going to crack down. Then they call out the uh, TV cameras and whatever other reporters are available, and they'll announce with some fanfare a crackdown. And we'll see what it's cracked up to be because we've seen how many times have we seen seen that, John? Where, you know, there there are promises or threats or whatever you want to call them to get tough and you know start enforcing the code consistently, and that hasn't happened. And I don't see any prospect of it happening. First of all, that let's be fair to everybody involved. The task is too daunting right now. I don't know. I think the city code enforcement department would need to have at least 500 people to start tackling the problem citywide. Well, uh, let me let me let me just give you a case in point. There's a nice sign at the train station uh, that was put up that was the uh, center of controversy. It's a very nice sign. And that guy uh, that has that building is a creative guy. He's an honest guy. He's a straight shooter. He pays his uh, bills. He doesn't pay his bills on time. He pays his bills ahead of time. Yep. And uh, if you look at the city sign, look at Canal Plaza. Look at that sign there. Oh, my you know, gosh. <laughs> I mean, now, again, it, it serves a basic premise or basic purpose of a sign. It's crystal clear that's Canal Plaza. But talk about uninspired. You well, know, I, it, I think, it, I mean, they could have come up. There's only one font they could have come up with that would have made it less attractive and more laughable and fortunately they didn't go that way and, but oh my goodness and and you know 26 27 30 million dollars to, to build that building and that's the sign they put up with the fake multi-use uh, catholic charities has a space in there that they never use there's some uh, uh folding uh chairs in there uh so that's that's what the city uh does that that that's the look but let me tell you something bob let me tell you something uh Binghamton is a mess, and it's not getting better. It's getting substantially worse, and uh, the voters have to take stock of what's really happening and start listening to a guy like me uh, because this area is about to undergo a moment of truth, and that moment of truth is going to be quite ugly. Well, I could see at some point somebody in this great city of ours, comes up with a new organization called SOB, Save Our Binghamton. Well. Well, I'm saying, I'm saying, I hey, I was born here, and I still love Binghamton. I still, I'm not devoid of hope. I'm not as pessimistic about the future of the Parlor City as you are this morning. But, hey, we're going to need... Some kind of an organization, the SOB organization to save our Binghamton and, and have a lot of people, residents, business people, and elected officials to start pulling in the same direction or else the, the future may look bleak. I appreciate your call. Thank you. That's John from Binghamton. You heard it live only on WNBF.
We'll be taking more calls. Do you have thoughts about what's going on around here? I believe you do. 607-772-1290. And send your emails to bob at wnbf.com. You want- than sad. No more burgers for you, the clown said with a tear rolling down his cheek. It's so painful to say. Nine thirty, WNBF live with Bob Joseph. Let's go back to the phones. Dale in Binghamton, you're on the air. Good morning. No soup for you. For you, Bob. <laughs> and no burger. I went over to the burger stand in Endwell, and they shut it down. The only thing left was Ronald presiding over his now quiet kingdom, where the pl- where the playland once oh, was filled boy. with the sound of joyful kids enjoying yep. enjoying their delightful, healthy burgers while their moms <laughs> smoked. Yeah, I enjoyed them too. Or thirty cigarettes. Anyway, yeah, those were the days. You know that um, that that place where they used to have the ham or where the hamburger stand ran uh, for the last uh-huh. twenty five years before the plug oh, was unceremoniously yeah. pulled. That used to be where my school was. I went to school there, and then uh, McDonald's came and tore it down. Oh boy! So every time I, I go there, next door that town. Yeah, every time I go to the site, such as. Oh, about 24 hours ago, I feel I have a bittersweet feeling because I remember, I remember Miss Milligan. Miss Milligan. Uh, Someday I'll tell you more about her. What I will tell you is she helped me publish my fabulous first newspaper at Hooper School, (laughs) which I I apologize. I apologize for the name, but I I was just a kid then. I called it the... Super duper Hooper Scooper. Isn't that the name for a newspaper? It's it's not like oh, yeah. the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. And Miss Milligan well, that's would where he got you start. Yeah, that's that's how it all that's how it all began, right where the uh now empty McDonald's hamburger shack stands. I remember that one. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, well, I almost went to work there, but did you? I got offered more money. So, yeah. I mean, I, I've never, I've never had the pleasure of um, working at a, a hamburger shack, but I wish I did, if, if only for six months, just to get a sense of what it's like. Because I know people who've worked in, um, you know, various restaurant settings. I know it's not easy, but oh, no, it's also no. it also can be somewhat satisfying knowing that you're. You're able to 
address a basic human need. And let's face it, for some people, a basic human need is a quarter pounder with cheese. That's right. There will be no more quarter pounders with cheese in Endwell. No soup for you. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, and again, oh, and I tried to find out what was going on. You know, you would think if you called McDonald's that they would tell you mm-hmm. why they did it. Oh, yeah. Listen, would you like to hear their explanation? Why is that? Hold on, let me find, because I I published this, the article on WNBF.com about okay. the empty McDonald's, and now people are wondering, you know, some people think it would be um, a wonderful place for a Chick-fil-A, and I think it would be lovely. <laughs> no, seriously, Chick-fil-A. you put a Chick-fil-A there... And then, oh, I'm going to make mop water again. <laughs> yes, with real chicken sandwiches and open 20, 24-7. Like <laughs> yeah. And open on Sundays, too. So it would become a, uh, a mecca, a mecca for Chick-fil-A aficionados around the world. They would show up and end well. And uh, traffic, traffic, that's not a problem. That's an opportunity. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I used to stop down in L.A. down there in the uh, in a place, you know, truck diving and everything. And I'd pull up, and, and they had parking spots for track tra- trailers even. Mm. And go in there, and you get that Chick-fil-A. That's mm. good eating. <laughs> it was so good. It wasn't yeah. funny. <laughs> Not only is it tasty, but it's good for you. So uh, yesterday I called. Um, let me take a look at my notes because I... I wanted to keep track of this, so I called my the only McDonald's representative I know. I called her at one twelve yesterday afternoon, and unfortunately, yeah. she no longer is assigned to this area. She's now assigned to some other territory. But she, yeah, I don't understand why they closed that building down. It's it's it was a nice McDonald's across the street there. You know, they had the old McDonald's and. The other one was nice. Oh, yeah. went in there. Well, remember that song about old McDonald's and his farm. Yeah. So anyway, finally, so I sent or I called my favorite McDonald's representative, and she told me that she no longer is assigned to Binghamton, but she would convey the message to um, the person who now is assigned. And I thought, oh, good. Well, at least I'll get an explanation why they pulled the plug on one of my favorite fast food um, venues. And so oh, yeah. 9.24 last night, which was hours, I waited, waited a couple hours before I published the article about the closure and what it looks like, and they're taking out all the junk, I mean all the stuff, furnishings yeah, and stuff. They ought to auction that off. They ought to put that stuff out on eBay and and sell it and turn the the money over to charity. But anyway, this is this is the reply which I I finally received last night at nine twenty four. So this is in re, in response to my question, basic questions. One, why did you close the McDonald's in Endwell? And secondly, what will happen to the property? So listen to the reply. And by the way, the woman didn't want her name used. It's just attributed to... Oh, Ma- boy, don't yeah. they all. Well, yeah, McDonald's USA. So this is a statement 
from McDonald's USA. McDonald's yep. reviews its restaurant portfolio on a regular basis to make the best decisions for our business moving forward. Closing a restaurant yep. is a difficult decision, but we look forward to continuing to serve our customers at our other nearby McDonald's restaurants. So that's the oh, story from McDonald's USA. And again, it, it like it doesn't answer any question. Of course, every business reviews its portfolio. WNBF, we review on a regular basis to make the best decisions for our business moving forward. That's not news. That's not helpful. Oh, and, no. and my job, is, my job that I used to do, I'm retired now, but got reviewed all the time. You know. Yeah, that's well, well everything. That's that's how you do business. Hey, I'm getting reviewed all the time. Do you think do you think I can just rest on my laurels that I can coast? No. No. I'm only as good as the last story I wrote. That's, you know, nothing I've done over the years counts for anything. Uh, as somebody once said, you're only as good as your last story, or you're only as good as the last program you did. The rest of your body of work, in the grand scheme of things, counts for absolutely mm-hmm. nothing. So it's you're I constantly. Love my job, Bob. Well, I, I love, love my it. job too, but what if they I scrutinize can't, I can't me? Do it no more, well, but what if they scrutinize my performance? Let's say the last article I wrote, or the last hour I did on the program, and then they put out a statement like this. Shutting down a program is a difficult decision, but we look forward oh, to continuing to serve our listeners with other there. fine programs. Now, that would be like throwing me out to the curb. And people, would, people, listeners would demand. They would ask for, not demand, because demanding doesn't get you anywhere. Listeners would ask Mine for answers. I was a self-driver, and I <laughs> never, I could go from one company to another of whatever I chose, you know. I worked out of Alabama. I I worked out of uh, Pittston, Pennsylvania. I worked out of a lot of places, but back and forth across the United States, and I love that job, you know. I I still miss it. It's a lifestyle. You know, it's what you want to do. Right, right. Well, yeah, it is difficult that you're unable to do that, but... but you know, again, getting back to the thing about McDonald's, why, why won't they tell us? I mean, why couldn't she just put out a statement saying, "We looked at uh, the recent performance of this restaurant, yep. and business was was not sufficient to keep it open." I mean, why, why don't they just, "Hey, we're we're adults. I can handle the truth." And I know. I went down there every other day. I'll right. Well, I know if I want to get a quarter pounder with cheese, I know exactly where to get one. It's not going to ruin my life. I just think, you know, when when will corporate America and government officials get away from these statements that never, never are responsive to the questions that their customers or constituents are asking? You know, with that kind of, that looks, that's even worse than a statement that would be put together by one of those artificial intelligence programs. That chat GPS or whatever, I don't know what it is, chat whatever, the AI program, they would come up with a far better statement. We loved something like, and they could tailor it to that location. We at McDonald's USA loved serving thousands and thousands of customers on the former Hooper School site in Endwell for a quarter century. 
Sadly, because of operational requirements, we are no longer able to maintain that location. But it was a pleasure. Over the years, we served 32 billion people. Or make up a number, whatever. 32 million, 32,000, whatever. But a statement put together by an artificial intelligence program, AI, would at least make it localized and give the reporter and also the former customers the feeling that you matter. You really matter. 942 Bob Joseph Live, WNBF. Joseph live on WNBM. Wonderful town, wonderful people, places to go, things to see. My love is Binghamton, that's my wonderful town. Beautiful homes, schools and churches, entertainment, places to shop. My heart's in Binghamton, that's my wonderful town. Binghamton, a center of transportation, business and banking and industry. Binghamton, the center of communication, the home of WKOP. Binghamton is... Oh, what? WKOP? I thought that was in Cincinnati. I mean, come on, man. The home of WKOP. Venus flytrap and... Dr. Johnny Fever. WNBF Binghamton. Still, it is a wonderful town, and we go back to Binghamton's wonderful phones and say good morning to Selena in Binghamton. Good morning, Bob. I love your show. Thanks. Um, I have to totally agree with John from Binghamton. The Binghamton City School District is losing ground, and you wouldn't believe all the trash piling up under the railroad bridges. Nothing gets done. The pillars for the railroad bridge on Clinton Street are starting to fall apart again. <laughs> Do you think that it poses a potential risk to public safety? It may. If it goes down to zero degrees and then rethaws, it, it could be an issue. That's the concern that I have with um, concrete structures that have been around for decades, whether they're railroad overpasses or pedestrian walkways or even some city-owned parking structures. Sometimes because of the repeated freeze-thaw cycle, the concrete that once seemed to be solid yeah. sometimes... Develops the, the develops problems. Yes, you. It, and the look, rebar swells up, and then it breaks away the concrete. Do you like seeing exposed rebar? Oh, I've seen it a lot. Well, do you want to see some more? No. Well, I'm saying, you know, they they should have um, a tour, the Binghamton exposed rebar tour, and start first <laughs> over at the uh, the parking garage there. Yeah, these uh, bridges here, the kind, they've been here since, what, 1934, At least, yeah. Well, probably since after the 1935 or 36 floods. Yeah, but, yeah. when they put the flood wall up. I mean, whole... well, and that's another thing. Look at the flood walls. The next yeah, time, no, next time that we get a substantial amount of rain, what if the flood walls don't hold? What then? Well, where, where will the people go? Where will they live? Well, they're already crumbling. It, that river goes up. Yeah, but do you think that's do you think that's a public safety hazard? Because they wouldn't allow it to exist public, that way. 
It's a public safety hazard because when the river goes up, water sprays right through all the joints. Well, I did see during the flood of 2011 that there were yeah. areas where... September I mean, 8th, 2011, yeah. it was spraying right through. Yes, I saw. I saw with my own eyes. And I'm yeah, thinking, well, that doesn't look safe. stalled out <laughs> well, trapped. All right, well, we'll see what happens. I appreciate your call as always. And thank you so much for your show. 948, Bob Joseph... On your side, yes, sometimes questions need to be asked. What is going to be done with the crumbling infrastructure? Everywhere you look, you can see exposed rebar. Now, some people will tell you, they'll tell you, just because you see rebar, there's no reason to fear. It's just like BOC once saying, don't fear the rebar. They say even with exposed rebar, those structures are perfectly safe. Even if they're eyesores. 949 Live WNBF. Bell more often at News Radio WNBF. Ron and Binghamton, good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. I want to get serious right off the bat. Uh, what a way to open the program with John from Binghamton. That was terrific. You know, uh, reminds me, John, who, who I've uh, listened to for many years and like to hear what he's going to say. He's very informed. But uh, uh, reminded me of John the Baptist. Uh, John, a, a voice calling out in the wilderness, make straight the path of the Lord. Uh, John's message is that the paths have become much too crooked here to be made straight. Leave Binghamton and don't look back. <clears throat> all, all you see, all you see, are pillars of salt. You know, <clears throat> it, I reflected here. My my son left New York City uh, soon after his first child was born because he he didn't want to raise his kids there and put them in the New York City public schools. He moved south. Uh, I came to Binghamton uh, in 1973, it's 50 years ago. Um, since I came, the area has slid into poverty and disintegration. I do agree with John. Go south, young man. The barbarians are beyond the gate. They're settled in, and they're holding the city. Uh, I, I, uh, I think John uh, gave us a prophetic message. And I don't mean to make that uh, religious. I don't mean it in that way. But uh, he he is seeing what is happening. And uh, I, I, in my 50 years here, 
uh, I can only uh, reflect on the fact that uh, that's the way it seems to be going. Uh, you know, you lose your schools. You know, when your schools uh, become um, <clears throat> a place where kids can't get properly educated and there's violence and, and it's, it's uh, falling apart, uh, if that's our future, well, where are we to go? Um, I say bring people, back Marion Martinez. Marion Martinez? I'm, I'm not sure who that is. She was the superintendent who was dismissed by the Board of Education, thereby ushering in the Tanya Thompson era. Oh, The one, well, the one thing uh, you could say about Dr. Marion Martinez is you may not have agreed with all of her decisions and all of her policies, and she certainly was controversial enough to have to leave early, which is very unusual for the Binghamton City School District. But to her credit, even in the heat of a firestorm of controversy, she didn't shy away from addressing the questions, even willing to come on this program, I believe, hours or maybe a day or so before she was dismissed. I think she knew the writing was on the wall and that the Board of Education was uh, was not going to keep her around. But even, even in uh, that firestorm of controversy, Dr. Marion Martinez always showed up on the program and always would entertain a few questions from the host. Well, Bob, yeah, uh, that's great. But you're, you're talking about a particular thing here. We're yeah, I know, but I'm also talking, the point is, the person who's been superintendent now since July 2016, there needs to be some accountability, and part of that, what one would think, would be to come on a program like this and answer a few questions. I get your point, but I also am saying, if the people responsible for running the Binghamton City School District, including the superintendent and the other administrators, if they don't respond to questions from members of the media who are representing their constituents, including parents and students, and faculty and support personnel. Hey, that's part. I think that's an issue. Well, I I don't disagree. Uh, I'm I'm talking about the the general, you know, the general decline uh, of the city as a whole. Well, then maybe the mayor could come on. Maybe the mayor and the school superintendent could, could come on and talk about the general decline of the city and the general perceived decline of the school district. That would be a great program. I'll set aside three hours tomorrow. I'll listen. It'll be a great program, and I'll ask a few questions. And I'll give both Tanya Thompson and Jared Cram sufficient time for them to answer fully and without interruption. That's the kind of host I am. I know it left you momentarily speechless, but I pledge to give them ample time to answer a few questions. Of course, there will be follow-ups, and that's what they're concerned about. Bob Joseph live, serving Binghamton and beyond on News Radio WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF Binghamton. It's 10 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, January 26th. You're listening to WNBF. 
Authorities are looking into the circumstances surrounding the death of a Binghamton resident. Police officers were sent to a home at 3 Whiting Street on the city's east side shortly after 8 a.m. yesterday. Detective Captain Corey Miner said a death investigation is underway. He declined to release the name of the 63-year-old man who resided in the small single-family home. The man apparently lived in the house by himself. The residence is located on Whiting Street. It's a short street that runs between Bigelow Street and Fellows Avenue. The street is just north of the Route 17 Expressway. Patrol officers and investigators canvassed the neighborhood after the body was discovered. The man's body was removed from the home just before 4 p.m. Tuesday. One neighbor told WMBF News the man had lived in the house for for at least four decades. He was described as kind of a recluse who seldom was seen outside. He apparently continued to reside there after his parents died. The neighbors said a truck from a local plumbing and heating company was observed in the driveway of the house Tuesday morning. More than a week after the Endwell McDonald's restaurant suddenly shut down its grills, the company's cartoon mascot remains alone inside, looking over a once-busy playland. There's been no word from McDonald's Corporation on the decision to close the operation on East Main Street, which was located directly across from a Burger King restaurant. The McDonald's, which featured a kid's play area, opened in 1997. The fast food company acquired the property from the town of Union for $80,000. The restaurant was built where the Hooper School Building had stood for 78 years. After the school was closed by the main Endwell well school district the site was used for several years by the town of union for a time it was the home to the state police substation and to studios used by wskg public television people who live and work in the area expressed some surprise that the mcdonald's unit closed without advance notice on january 15th but some acknowledged the place didn't appear to be as busy as the chain's other area locations on january 25th the broome county sheriff's office warrants division arrested matthew hackle a 36 year old man from the town of vestal hackle is being accused of failing to register is an address with the New York State Sex Offender Registry. And as a result of the investigation, Matthew Hackle is charged with one count of failure to register under the Sex Offender Registration Act. Hackle was processed for arrest and is currently in the custody of the Broome County Sheriff's Correction Facility. Of all the questions swirling around U.S. Representative George Santos, one of the most serious has been how he amassed the personal fortune he used to finance his campaign. The Republican filed new campaign finance reports Tuesday suggesting that maybe some of the money wasn't his after all. Santos is campaign provided the Federal Election Commission amended reports indicating some of the money he lent his campaign didn't come from his personal funds, as indicated on previous campaign finance reports. Questioned by reporters Wednesday, Santos said he couldn't explain the changes because someone else files campaign finance reports. Santos has admitted making up key parts of his life story. New York's Attorney General has warned Madison Square Garden that it may be violating anti-bias laws with its practice of barring lawyers from firms involved in litigation against MSG from its venues, including Radio City Music Hall and the Garden itself. The Attorney General's office says in a letter to Madison Square Garden officials that the ban and the use of facial recognition technology to enforce it may violate anti-discrimination laws. A representative for MSG says the policy does not unlawfully prohibit anyone from entering our venues, and it is not our intent to dissuade attorneys from representing plaintiffs in litigation against us. The U.S. economy likely rolled out of 2022 with momentum, registering decent growth in the face of painful inflation, high interest rates, and rising concerns that a recession may be months away. Economists have estimated that the gross domestic product, the broadest measure of an economic output, grew at a 2.3% annual pace from October through December. The Commerce Department will issue its first of three estimates of fourth quarter GDP growth on Thursday. Despite a likely second straight quarter of expansion, the economy is wildly expected to slow and then slide into a recession sometime in the coming months as increasingly high interest rates engineered by the Federal Reserve take a toll. Facebook parent company Meta says it will restore 
former President Donald Trump's personal account in the coming weeks, ending a two-year suspension it imposed in the wake of the January 6th insurrection. The company said in a blog post Wednesday it is adding new guardrails to ensure there are no repeat offenders who violate its rules. Trump was suspended on January 7th, the day after the deadly 2021 insurrection. Other social media companies also kicked him off their platforms, though he was recently reinstated on Twitter after Elon Musk took over the company. Responding to the news, Trump blasted Facebook's original decision to suspend his account and praised Truth Social, the site he created after being blocked from Twitter. And an asteroid the size of a delivery truck will whip past Earth on Thursday night. One of the closest encounters ever recorded, NASA insists it will be a near miss. The space agency said Wednesday that this newly discovered asteroid will zoom 2,200 miles above the southern tip of South America. NASA says there's no risk of an impact. Even if it came a lot closer, scientists say most of it would burn up in the atmosphere. Discovered Saturday, the asteroid is believed to be between 11 feet and 28 feet across. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, a slight chance of snow showers before noon, then a slight chance of snow showers after 3 p.m. Cloudy with a high near 35 degrees. Wind gusts as high as 29 miles per hour. 20% chance of snow. Tonight, a slight chance of snow showers before midnight. Mostly cloudy with a low near 25 degrees. 20% chance of snow. Tomorrow, a slight chance of snow showers before 10 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a high near 34. 20% chance of snow. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy with a low near 26. Saturday, mostly cloudy with a high near 40. Saturday night, cloudy, a low near 28 degrees. And Sunday, rain and snow showers likely becoming all rain after 11 a.m. Cloudy with a high near 40 degrees, 60% chance of rain. Sunday night, chance of rain and snow showers before 10 p.m. Then a chance of snow showers between 10 p.m. and 1 a.m. Cloudy with a low near 29 degrees, 30% chance of rain. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Here we go again. Bob Joseph live. Today is Thursday. Therefore, we're going to have fun today, although we'll have a lot more fun tomorrow and Friday right here on WNBF. wonder why seasons change so did i let's go back to the lines and we say good morning to beverly in the town of dickinson hi what's what's going on what's going on beverly oh nothing much except i i uh except for the snow i'm not I'm not too keen on it because it's hard for me to walk in it. Yeah, it really, really can be very challenging. I don't well, like. I don't like it myself. I don't I'm, like it because I. Well, we live in an open area. Yeah, well, I guess it's better than being in a closed area. 
It's like that McDonald's. That's a closed area. The one in Endwell, now that's a closed area. And now I want to know, will, will all the others stay open so we can get our quarter pounders with cheese? I don't know. I hope so. I know that the the McDonald's up here by my house changed three times since Doug, since Doug, Doug had it. And that's another thing. What's what's going on there? Because remember that was that was closed while they had only a drive-through for a while because they that Speedway, the Speedway company, was busy doing stuff out front. So you had. Some inconvenience while that, that work was going the, uh, on. Uh, he, see, they they leased that that part from 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 Speedway, and Speedway has already said they wanted them out of there because they want they want to make a place, you know, for their own business. That's what I was told. Well, what if? Uh, so I wonder how much longer the lease is for McDonald's over there. I I'm not sure. Three years three years ago, I I think it, well they were opened and um, oh god and I think they opened in 2006 I think and uh, oh they've been open a while but then that was the mo- the mobile gas station and yeah and now look I, at it. Now it's not now even it's mobile. Been, now it's Speedway now, and, uh, uh, you know, I mean, they want them out of there because they want they want to uh, have people come in, the customers come in and have have donuts and coffee and different, and, um, and, and bagels and stuff like that. They don't want McDonald's there. Well, we'll see what we'll see what happens. I'll look into that. Okay. I mean, I mean, they said that for 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 quite a while. All right. Well, I'll see what's going on because I mean, somebody should look into that because what about the people in? I always call it Sunrise Terrace. What about those people who might want a I don't know a, a Mac Nugget or a Mac Rib? I don't know, Steve. See, people used to go in there. Uh, the elderly used to go in there. There used to be a man and his wife. They'd be in there. They'd go in there about 6 o'clock in the morning, and they'd stay till about 8 o'clock. And then they would come back all around noontime and stay to 2. And a lot of people just went in there just to chat and socialize. Yeah, well, I'm going to look into that, okay? And we'll see what's going on. I appreciate your call. It's 10:15. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF. Coming up next, the mayor of Johnson City. Join the Ten eighteen. This is Bob Joseph live on WNBF. We're pleased to welcome back the mayor of Johnson City, one of America's great villages, Martin Maney. Welcome back. Good morning, uh, Bob. Thanks for having me on the show, and thank you for uh, the accolades for our, for our fine village. Uh, yes. And by the way, I know we not only do we have many listeners in Johnson City, but we also have a growing audience in Brooklyn. Yes. Uh, if you give me allow me, it's. Uh, 
my son Michael's, aka Mikey the Swordfish, his 33rd birthday today. So uh, we'd like to wish him a very happy 33rd birthday, and hopefully the Swordfish enjoys his day. Nice. Yes, happy birthday, Mikey. Thank you, sir. So how long has he been in Brooklyn? Uh, just since August. He was uh, in Chicago for four years, and he migrated back to the East Coast. Well, that's great. Does he get back yeah. to Johnson City often? Uh, he was in town at Christmas time, and he'll be up uh, around Parade Weekend. Oh, he okay. To come up every couple months. Right. And do you go down to see him at all in Brooklyn? Have not been down there yet. Uh, to be honest with you, not a big fan of the city uh, at this time. <laughs> well, I understand that. I Personally, I like the city. On the other hand, as much as I love New York City, and I, I have... I have nothing negative to say about the city, even under its most recent management. I love New York City, but still, every time I visit, when I return back here to the Binghamton area, it makes me glad that I live here. And again, right. you know, it, now, I certainly would possibly have a different attitude if I was a billionaire and could afford, you know, the, the right kind of apartment and et cetera, the right kind of transportation, you know, with a driver. If I was a billionaire and could live on Manhattan's Upper West Side, I probably would be living there. But as they say, that that's not going to happen. So I'll continue to enjoy my Binghamton lifestyle and, and visit the city when, when possible. Yes, it's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't <laughs> want to live there. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, let's. You know what I will say about the city, and I know a lot of people complain about their subways, but I'll say this about the subways in New York City: you can get a lot further using those subways than using the subways we have here in Broome County. Here in Broome County, when you go to the subways, all your all they have is is sandwiches, and that's fine as far as it goes. But I'm like, you know, I want to go from say, Binghamton to Johnson City, from the Court Street subway to the subway in Johnson City. And they say, like, well, good luck. Start walking. (laughs) Anyway, that's not why you called. Uh, It's 1021. We're going to talk about some uh, Johnson City issues. First off, Village Hall. I see the, the progress is continuing. I spent some quality time this morning in Johnson City looking at a few specific places, including the construction at what will be the future Village Hall at 60 Lester Avenue. Let's uh, have an update on how that project, how the the building is being transformed for, I believe, first the Village Public Works operations and then ultimately uh, down the road for all Village offices. Yes, uh, I spoke with our Director of Public Services yesterday, Josh Holland. He went through uh, everything is moving along according to schedule. A few hiccups, nothing major. Um, but that's to be expected with any type of uh, construction project of this size. Uh, we are still tentatively, hopefully, uh, we'll be in there in July. And uh, Village Hall? Village Hall and the DPW, yes, both both departments. Well, that's pretty, I'd say that's pretty ambitious if, if that can happen within six months or so. Yes, uh, the uh, construction group promised us uh, a date, and we're, holding their feet to the fire on it. Well, LaChase Construction has a pretty good record. They're involved with the project just outside the village for the the apartment complex where the IBM Country Club was. 
Well, um, I approached La Chase. They should have an office on our Main Street because they're um, at the Victory Factory. They're at the uh, Wilson Hospital site. They're all they're all over Johnson City right now. So they've got. I've talked to them on the commute. Yeah, no, they've they've got a lot of things going at the same time, as you point out, with with so much actually in or very close to the village of Johnson City. Yeah. It's actually amazing to see so many projects underway simultaneously. It's. Um, I guess they, they say that cranes are a sign of development, and seeing cranes is a good thing. And we're fortunate right now in Johnson City because we could see cranes. And sometimes, and I don't think it's currently the case, but for several weeks, you could be driving either on Main Street or on Route 17 through the village, and you could see two cranes at two separate sites, both the Wilson Medical Center project and also the Oakdale Commons project. And I was thinking to myself, in my lifetime, I don't remember seeing two cranes at two separate projects simultaneously in the same community. Maybe it was going on back in Binghamton during the the early days of urban renewal, but I don't I don't remember seeing seeing that happen in quite a while. I've been a lifelong resident of Johnson City, and I, I concur. I've never seen two cranes in the air at the same time in Johnson City on different projects. Right. So uh, another project that is going on, and I'm told by Matthew Paulus is getting very close to completion. The last guidance I received from Mr. Paulus, the Syracuse developer, is that now they're aiming to have the Victory Lofts apartment complex with 156 units. They're hoping to have um, that open up by March 1st. Yes, the last time I spoke with Mr. Paulus, the the same information was uh, extended to the village. Uh, I believe the last time I was on your show, I told you that we uh, had a tour of the facility, and it is, uh, it's amazing. He, the transformation from uh, an old 100-year-old factory into luxury apartments, is, it's truly amazing. He did an awesome job, and it's going to be really exciting once we see the lights on and, and life and people living. I mean, it's got life now, but with people actually living in there, uh, it's, it's going to be such a boost for our downtown well, another project, and of course it's a much smaller scale, but it's also at a, a location in Johnson City that's highly visible, and we reported on this a couple weeks ago, with the plan that Ben Locke, who lives in New Jersey, he has uh, targeted one of the most visible blighted sections near a, a gateway to Johnson City, and he wants potentially to put in quite a few apartments. There are three buildings that he now owns in that area, Main Street, Main Street Terrace, and another building um, around the corner. 31 Carhartt Ave. Yeah, he just acquired that, uh, I think, a little over a week ago, or two weeks ago. And he's hoping that maybe two of the three buildings can be salvaged. I don't know where things stand with, with the one building at 78 Main Street. I know initially his plan was to tear it down. But he also was sending in some structural engineers to see if there is a chance to even save that building and make it productive again with with more usable apartments. Right, and um, from what I've seen in our planning department, that he's planning on salvaging Six Main Street Terrace, and um, that, that that's a large structure. And I believe the Carhartt Ave structure. I was told um, he's going to raise that and he's going to use that for parking. And have you heard anything about that 
one building in the middle there, 78 Main Street. 78 Main Street. Yes. Nothing more than what you, what you just reported that is going to have it, uh, structural engineers go through it to see if it is uh, viable for uh, refurbishing it or if he'll bring that down. And I don't know 100%, but if he brings it, if he raises that building, uh, I think there's preliminary plans where he might erect another structure in its place. Well, that would be uh, would be useful both for that property and, and also for uh, having decent housing for, for more people in Johnson City, especially in that particular corner, even though it's still it's very close to the Binghamton University Health Sciences campus, that little area that's just to the west of the Binghamton City line is, is definitely need in need of some uh, additional attention, some TLC going oh, forward. Yes. It's it's definitely uh, would take some of the blighted properties out of there. And uh, when we submitted our DRI application, we had uh, submitted a, a walking trail that starts right in that general area and goes down uh, at least as far as the hospital for now because it's really all that's viable at this time. But we're hoping, you know, if, if that does, uh, maybe that boosts the revitalization of that bladed neighborhood with those buildings up. And if we do uh, win the DRI and put a, uh, a rail trail through there, um, that'll help spur development. Well, speaking of that, I know at, at one time when there was talk about developing um, a rail trail out near, well, going from the, a little further west in the village, uh, your predecessor, Mayor Demi, indicated that was sort of on hold because supposedly the people who were claiming they were going to demolish the old Gowdy station, <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry, that that it's still there. I mean, it's whatever, two or three years yeah. later, it's the slowest Most demolition project. There. Yeah. I mean, they took down some, but apparently the plan, as they presented it originally, was to use the existing rail tracks at one point to haul some of the debris, yeah. the demolition the debris. debris, but now it doesn't seem like that's needed. So do you have a sense of of finally developing a walking trail now that uh, whatever the demolition project was was talking about doesn't seem to be happening? I think we're going to look at it in baby steps, in sections. Uh, like I said, when we submitted our DRI application, we have it down to about the area of Baldwin Street, um, or maybe even just back to Fats Alley. Uh, it just, we don't own any of the rail, the, oh, is it Norfolk Southern? Wh- whoever owns the, the line still owns the line. Right. So it hasn't been purchased. Um, that's just a, a plan that we have that if we were awarded the DRI, or if we could have uh, funnel some of the DRI money, DRI money into that to develop, a small little portion of that to kind of bracket our downtown area and give uh, students or whomever an easy access from the eastern border of the village down through to the hospital, through the Health and Sciences campus. Well, I know a lot of discussion, and there had been a, a public meeting, I think, three or four years ago about developing the potential rail trail or walkway yeah. for for sections of the village so i know certainly some people are looking forward to it whenever it happens if it happens it'll be a good thing i just again we can't promise anything a lot of it hinges a on 
being awarded the DRI, and B, if the uh, railroad will sell the property to whomever wants to develop it. Speaking with Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney at 1031 on this Thursday morning on WNBF, touched on uh, the blight issue, certainly with those um, non-productive, unused apartment buildings over toward the east end of the village off Main Street. Still is a lot of um, blight in various parts of the village, Um, and it's not unique to Johnson City, but it's certainly... It's a, it's a huge challenge dealing with uh, abandoned residential and commercial properties or even industrial properties that have seen their better days. How is Johnson City trying to address the blight issue and, and even trying to uh, take steps for buildings that may still be in use but are in clearly in pretty bad shape? Well, the old saying is Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, it's also Rome didn't deteriorate in a day, and that seems to be uh, deterioration t- isn't an overnight process. Blight isn't an overnight process. It takes a long time to get to those stages, and then once you hit bottom, it's again it's going to take a long time to regen not regentrify, but to rehab these dilapidated buildings to get people to come in and redevelop and redevelop the neighborhoods. And I think we're seeing that now in Johnson City. Uh, It's going to be, unfortunately, a slow process. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, Since we brought code enforcement back into the folds of village government, this was this uh, 2022 is the first full year of codes being implemented uh, by Johnson City. Our code department has been extremely busy and extremely successful. Uh, The numbers I'm waiting to, I should get them by the end of this week, the the numbers of the Complaints that they responded to and that they rectified uh, pales in comparison to when we had the service provided by the town of Union. Uh, so a strong code enforcement is going to help stop any further deterioration of the these dilapidated properties and hopefully hold these landlords' feet to the fire to get them to turn around and, and repair these structures. And I think it's, it's, it's small steps. Again, it starts in one small neighborhood, and then it expands, and people see, wow, look at what they did with this building. This is really nice. Maybe we should look at a project here. And that's kind of happening now where some developers are knocking on the door saying, hey, there's a couple of uh, buildings in the middle of this block that don't look so good. We'd like to take a look at them, and we'd like to to bring them back to life so it, it stops any further deterioration of the neighborhoods. Speaking of the town of Union, is the town still moving forward with its plan to uh, take its court out of the Johnson City Justice Building and move it back to Andwell, where it previously was? That's a great question, Bob. I have not received any notification from the town union since I've been mayor that they are moving forward with any plans to remove the court from our Justice Building now. And uh, we did send correspondence to the town union asking them what their plans were, and we did not receive any answer back. Ultimately, if that plan goes forward, and I'm under the impression at some point it will, after they make necessary changes and renovations to their buildings on East Main Street and Endwell, that uh, certainly affects the annual revenue that uh, the village of Johnson City has been receiving for uh, use of that space in the Justice Building on Avenue C. Uh, You're correct with that, and that's why in our current budget year we did not plan for any revenue from the town union coming to the village. We were uh, being uh, 
proactive instead of reactive when it comes to uh, any revenue source from the town. 1035, we'll continue our conversation with Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney in a moment. I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF 921 FM, 1290 AM, and you're always connected with us with the free WNBF app. I- Ten thirty nine at WNBF and WNBF.com. I'm Bob Joseph, and we are speaking with Mayor of Johnson City, Martin Maney. It's a project that's moving forward uh, on Grand Avenue in the village, and this is not the apartment complex that we've discussed a few times where the Philadelphia sales store was located at 333 Grand Avenue. This is another project um, basically right across the street from that site at uh, 338 Grand Avenue. Tell me a bit about the the project and uh, the nature of what what could happen at that site where there is uh, an existing structure. Uh, Mothers and Babies is looking to uh, purchase that. That used to be uh, UHS was in there. Uh, They didn't own the building, but UHS leased the building. It was their HR department and payroll was in there. And now uh, it's sat vacant for a couple of years. And Mothers and Babies... Uh, is moving forward with uh, acquiring the property and putting all their operations uh, in there under one roof. Any idea how how much that project that they're discussing would would ultimately cost? I do not. Uh, they've submitted plans to the planning board, and they are also applying for a grant. Um, but uh, to be honest with you, Bob, I don't have the exact figures, so I don't want to. Um, give you any false information to throw a bad dollar amount out there. If that project goes forward, and if things proceed with the apartment complex that Larry Regan is talking about uh, constructing on the old Philly sales site across the street, that would seem to be uh, beneficial for that neighborhood. It would be, and the Regan project has a, um, a component of um, a daycare component in there. So that would work well with mothers and babies being right across the street. And what are you hearing about the apartment complex? It's been uh, a few months since I last spoke with Mr. Regan. Have you heard any updates on on his plans to um, construct were, an apartment complex uh, from the ground up there? The last I spoke with Mr. Regan, they were submitting all their information to uh, New York State. I believe it's through HCR so they could get their um, – any type of funding through the state, any type of grants. Uh, and that is a somewhat lengthy process, so they've got to wait till the state okays them. And once the state okays them, and if they are awarded it, then they're going to move forward. Are there other housing projects in the village on, on the horizon? Nothing that's uh, came across my desk or across the planning desk. So... Uh, there's there's places in the village that definitely are developable, and we welcome anybody to come in and sit down and chat with us, and we'd like to help them along in their endeavors. I see that the village is planning to hold a public hearing on, on oh, changes in the sign regulation. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes. I see the village is planning to hold a public hearing about changes in, in sign regulations. Are there any big changes there planned? Uh we had a bit of a hiccup here with uh, political signs in November where one of the candidates felt he was they were being slighted or uh, 
picked on. Our code says that you can't have any political signs up more than 60 days prior to the general election. So we enforced our code, and uh, code enforcers went around and did not discriminate. Every sign that they came across that was up illegally uh, against our, our law was taken down and was stored at our public works garage. So we're revamping our sign law to uh, take any question out of the process. To clarify or, or make sure yes. that there's no no doubt all, all about the intent? Signs. Correct. You know, all temporary signs have, they're temporary, and here's, it's going to define all the temporary signs, and it's going to say this is why it's temporary, and this is how long it can be up. It's 1043. We're speaking with Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney about some of the important issues facing the village this year. We'll have more coming right up on this Thursday morning on WNBF. Bob Joseph live on WNBF on a Thursday morning with Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney. Parking kiosks, I know they're coming to the village, but when? That is the $10,000 question. Um, Again, with the supply chain issues and everything that's going on, it's unfortunately been a long, slow, tedious process. Uh, We're hoping to have them in sometime this spring. Um, it's just the delays in the supply chain and programming issues and getting banking issues set up because everything's got to go through the app and then it has to go, I think, through with J.P. Morgan, Chase. It's just it's not something as simple as buying a kiosk and sticking in the middle of the street and telling people there's where you have to uh, pay for your metered parking now. Where will they go first, on Main Street, or will they also be on some of the other streets in the in the heart of the business district? Right, right. right now, uh, the municipal lots uh, on in the Main Street area, the Willow Street lot, the Isabel lot, lot um, Avenue C and 219 Main Street, which is uh, vacant right now, which is green, a yard. We're going to put parking in there. Um And then there's going to be areas that are going to be exclusive to the Flowbird app, so there won't be any kiosks in those areas. And those areas are going to be focused more around um, the hospital because we're going to leave the meters in for the hospital right now, so there's a cash option for people down there. And also over by where BU has the the Health and Sciences campus, uh, over at the school and in downtown, it's the Flowbird system. And that's what we're putting in for the non-kiosked areas, and it would be a Flowbird only. Um, method of paying for your parking. Last year, I think it was last spring, when we were uh, speaking about Binghamton University, you mentioned that the university agreed to uh, provide funding for an additional police presence uh, in the business district and near the health sciences campus. Is that deal still going to uh, be in place, to have the dedicated police patrol? I cannot speak for President Stanger, but that's a conversation that he and I are going to have in the near future. Uh, when we spoke last year, he was committed to, to making this a continuous program, so I'm going to take his word that uh, he will be more than happy to help fund this position for the future. Would you like to see it expanded as mayor as you prepare to converse with the BU president? I mean, the fact is that in the coming months, 
additional BU facilities will open. The new research and development building will open in a few months. The um, uh, senior walk-in clinic on Jenison Avenue probably will open by summer or early summer. So more people will be coming into that part of the village um, attracted by the Health Sciences Campus. Do you think it would be a good idea for the university to consider offering even additional support? Well, that's something we could talk to President Stanger about, and we would not uh, say uh, no to anything that they could help us with. Speaking with Johnson City's Mayor Martin Maney, what about the arch? I always ask you about the arch because I, I always want to know. Yeah, I want to be the first to know when, when some of the work gets uh, started on, on the workers' arch at the Binghamton-Johnson City line. Any new developments? It's, it's still with the engineering. Um, they're getting everything together, and once we get that back, I'm fairly certain that uh, Mr. Holland will be sending it out to bid as soon as he gets the engineering uh, portion back. And as soon as it, he gets it, it goes out to bid. We award the bid. We'll start on it as soon as we can. So could that happen during the summer construction season? I'm certainly hopeful. I, I would like to see it happen during uh, – I would like to see it done before, you know, the end of the summer construction season. What's the nature of the plant work? Uh, just refurbishing it. I, I know that they've done some engineering studies on it. And other than that, I'm not 100% sure because I haven't seen the, the plans come back from the engineer, what that's going to entail. Here's a note from a listener. Ryan uh, says, I should ask you about changing the name of Gannett Drive. What do you think about that? It, it was uh, all the rage uh, a, few, a couple decades ago when Gannett built the $50 million printing plant and employed 100 people printing newspapers and doing other commercial printing work. But then Gannett pulled the plug and put 100 people out of work, and they abandoned the village of Johnson City. So what are your thoughts about possibly changing the name of Gannett Drive? To be quite honest with you, this is the first time I've had any thoughts about it. <laughs> uh uh, perhaps maybe one of the board members brings it up and, and we move forward and we act on it. Uh, never really looked at it as, yes, Gannett did. That was their state-of-the-art printing press. They received a deviated pilot, and as soon as their pilot stopped, so did their printing in Johnson City. Interesting. Yeah, makes makes you wonder, huh? Well, and they also took the village to court. I thought they, they didn't want to pay... Um, they thought their village and town of Union and Johnson City School District tax bill was too high. I recall I recall that too, didn't they? That was before my Oh, it was, but but it was shortly after they they opened up their printing plant. I'm sure it wouldn't surprise me. Uh but I, I can't offer a good comment on it cuz I don't have all the information. So they moved they they shut down that newspaper printing plant, beautiful, beautiful, with printing presses that were custom-designed in Germany and shipped over yeah. here in, in, I think, three dozen cargo shipments. So it took weeks or months to get them here. And then I remember the day when they were all smashed in pieces in uh, Adam Weitzman's lot uh, right here on Brandywine Avenue in Binghamton. It was 
was kind of heartbreaking that they were used for for a short time before they were all sent to the scrapyard. Yeah, that's. Um, I guess that's maybe corporate America. Yeah, and then they moved to the Rochester area to print their newspapers, and now they've decided they can't afford to keep that plant open. So, in a few weeks, the newspaper that we get will be printed in New Jersey. So, well, no disrespect to our local paper, but there's really anymore, unfortunately, not much in it. Yeah, I mean, and it's not the fault of anybody local. No, I mean, we know no, that. No. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't doubt everybody who is working for them is. Oh, working, working really hard. extremely hard and doing great yeah. work, but I, you know, yeah. it's just you, I just I look at the decisions and I question the commitment Gannett has to our community, the corporate, not not the corporate. local people. I, yeah. I agree with you. I, I really, again, it's um, we have to get one tenth of a percent more on our uh, yield for the quarter than the previous quarter, and the only way we could do that most times is is cutting labor. Since the University Foundation bought the the old Gannett building to use as a library annex, what would you think if if somebody decided to call that University Drive or something like that? You know, I, I guess we'd entertain anything well, as long as it's not a, a, a duplicated name of a street in the village. Right? Because that really wreaks havoc with the nine one one system. Right. You don't need confusion, but no. All right. What else? Uh, oh, I know. Davis College, that's still in the village, but Adam Weitzman still owns it, but we see no activity. What is going to happen with the Davis College campus off Riverside Drive? Uh, Hopefully something. I honestly don't know uh, if the pandemic, because I know he had planned to put in some uh, basketball uh, facility. He wanted to put in some gaming facility in there, like a college for gamers. And uh, the pandemic came about, and I think it really uh, killed not only his plans, but a lot of plans for everybody. So I honestly don't know what he plans to do with that moving forward. It's a beautiful facility. The post office is still open and operational there. Oh, yeah. Um, he that, shortly, after, shortly after he acquired the property, he did, I believe, do a five-year lease extension so the, the post office could continue to operate there. But you've heard no new plans. Do you have a no. preference what what you'd like to see go there? Something that would fit with the neighborhood. Well, what know, about one of those? Uh, everybody is talking about growing cannabis. What if they took down the buildings and used that as a for uh, growing cannabis? Because there's going to be um, a lot of demand, according to the state, for that. Well, it's not zoned for agricultural, so that would have to go across the zoning board for for starters. Yeah, it would be. I would generate a lot of conversation, I bet, with the neighbors. Oh, yes. Yes, especially with the, you're right, because it's right in the middle of a residential neighborhood. Yeah, that'd be strange, but... And I guess it would be maybe going full circle to what it was. It goes back to White City. One final note. I was driving on, on Main Street today near the 201, right near the Johnson City line, and, and going right around that general area. I mean, it's right on the, the border of the village and the town of Union. Have you heard whether DOT is planning to make any traffic pattern changes there? I have not. Yeah, they, they had some engineers doing some survey work, and I thought, oh, boy. Yeah, that's, again, that's all state highway from there down to the arch. So I've not seen anything. And, again, the director of public services not mentioned um, the DOT reaching out to him to make any changes. And what about the potential? We've touched on this before, but you think the village is still 
going to be able to handle all the huge traffic volume that will be coming because of all those great new businesses at Oakdale Commons? Are you concerned about uh, traffic problems? Uh, again, when we spoke about this before, that's a bridge, no pun intended, that we'll, um, we'll have to cross when we get to it. I know back when the mall had over 125 stores, uh, that that intersection was able to handle the traffic even at peak season. Uh, so it remains to be seen. But you're not lying awake in fear that there's going to be gridlock there with everybody wanting chicken sandwiches and deals on sneakers. I honestly, there's there's sometimes there's gridlock there now on uh, at peak times, and it seems to be where we're dealing with it. Uh, I'm sure once the construction's all finished and they get the lanes uh, situated, that that will hopefully um, ease some of the gridlock that we're we're encompassing right now. Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a, a great day. Bob, thank you so much. And next time you're walking up and down Main Street, uh, uh, stop in. I may be around and I'll buy a cup of coffee. All right. Or maybe I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Thanks again. Stand 57, WNBF. I just- WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, January 26th. You're listening to WMBF. Authorities are looking into the circumstances surrounding the death of a Binghamton resident. Police officers were sent to a home at 3 Whiting Street on the city's east side shortly after 8 a.m. yesterday. Detective Captain Corey Miner said a death investigation is underway. He declined to release the name of the 63-year-old man who resided in the small single-family home. The man apparently lived in a house by himself. The residence is located on Whiting Street. It's a short street that runs between Bigelow Street and Fellows Avenue. The street is just north of the Route 17 Expressway. Patrol officers and investigators canvassed the neighborhood after the body was discovered. The man's body was removed from the home just before 4 p.m. Tuesday. One neighbor told WMBF News the man had lived in the house for at least four decades. He was described as kind of a recluse who seldom was seen outside. He apparently continued to reside there after his parents died. The neighbor said a truck from a local plumbing and heating company was observed in the driveway of the house Tuesday morning. More than a week after the Endwell McDonald's restaurant suddenly shut down its grills, the company's cartoon mascot remains alone inside, looking over a once-busy playland. There's been no word from McDonald's Corporation on the decision to close the operation on East Main Street, which was located directly across from a Burger King restaurant. The McDonald's, which featured a kid's play area, opened in 1997. The fast food company acquired the property from the town of Union for $80,000. The restaurant was built where the Hooper School Building had stood for 78 years. After the school was closed by the main Endwell well school district the site was used for several years by the town of union for a time it was the home to a state police substation and to studios used by wskg public television people who live and work in the area expressed some surprise that the mcdonald's unit closed without advance notice on january 15th but some acknowledged the place didn't appear to be as busy as the chain's other area locations on january 25th the broom county sheriff's office warrants division arrested matthew hackle a 36 year old man from the town of vestal hackle is being accused of failing to register is an address with the New York State Sex Offender Registry. As a result of the investigation, Matthew Hackle is charged with one count of failure to register under the Sex Offender Registration Act. Hackle was processed for arrest and is currently in the custody of the Broome County Sheriff's Correction Facility. Of all the questions swirling around U.S. Representative George Santos, one of the most serious has been how he amassed the personal fortune he used to finance his campaign. The Republican filed new campaign finance reports Tuesday suggesting that maybe some of the money wasn't his after all. Santos is campaign provided the Federal Election Commission amended reports indicating some of the money he lent his campaign did not
didn't come from his personal funds, as indicated on previous campaign finance reports. Questioned by reporters Wednesday, Santos said he couldn't explain the changes because someone else files campaign finance reports. Santos has admitted making up key parts of his life story. New York's attorney general has warned Madison Square Garden that it may be violating anti-bias laws with its practice of barring lawyers from firms involved in litigation against MSG from its venues, including Radio City Music Hall and the Garden itself. The attorney general's office says in a letter to Madison Square Garden officials that the ban and the use of facial recognition technology to enforce it may violate anti-discrimination laws. A representative for MSG says the policy does not unlawfully prohibit anyone from entering our venues, and it is not our intent to dissuade attorneys from representing plaintiffs in litigation against us. The U.S. economy likely rolled out of 2022 with momentum, registering decent growth in the face of painful inflation, high interest rates, and rising concerns that a recession may be months away. Economists have estimated that the gross domestic product, the broadest measure of an economic output, grew at a 2.3% annual pace from October through December. The Commerce Department will issue its first of three estimates of fourth quarter GDP growth on Thursday. Despite a likely second straight quarter of expansion, the economy is wildly expected to slow and then slide into a recession sometime in the coming months as increasingly high interest rates engineered by the Federal Reserve take a toll. Facebook parent company Meta says it will restore former President Donald Trump's personal account in the coming weeks, ending a two-year suspension it imposed in the wake of the January 6th insurrection. The company said in a blog post Wednesday it is adding new guardrails to ensure there are no repeat offenders who violate its rules. Trump was suspended on January 7th, the day after the deadly 2021 insurrection. Other social media companies also kicked him off their platforms, though he was recently reinstated on Twitter after Elon Musk took over the company. Responding to the news, Trump blasted Facebook's original decision to suspend his account and praised Truth Social, the site he created after being blocked from Twitter. And an asteroid the size of a delivery truck will whip past Earth on Thursday night, one of the closest encounters ever recorded. NASA insists it will be a near miss. The space agency said Wednesday that this newly discovered asteroid will zoom 2,200 miles above the southern tip of South America. NASA says there's no risk of an impact. Even if it came a lot closer, scientists say most of it would burn up in the atmosphere. Discovered Saturday, the asteroid is believed to be between 11 feet and 28 feet across. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, a slight chance of snow showers before noon, then a slight chance of snow showers after 3 p.m. Cloudy with a high near 35 degrees. Wind gusts as high as 29 miles per hour. 20% chance of snow. Tonight, a slight chance of snow showers before midnight, mostly cloudy with a low near 25 degrees, 20% chance of snow. Tomorrow, a slight chance of snow showers before 10 a.m., mostly cloudy with a high near 34, 20% chance of snow. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy with a low near 26. Saturday, mostly cloudy with a high near 40. Saturday night, cloudy, a low near 28 degrees. And Sunday, rain and snow showers likely becoming all rain after 11 a.m., Cloudy with a high near 40 degrees, 60% chance of rain. Sunday night, chance of rain and snow showers before 10 p.m., then a chance of snow showers between 10 p.m. and 1 a.m. Cloudy with a low near 29 degrees, 30% chance of rain. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. It's that guy again. Yep. Bob Joseph. You always see him on the radio. I'm going to wait till the midnight hour. That's when my love comes tumbling down. I'm 
Thursday morning, not quite the midnight hour. Still have to wait for another 12 hours and 48 minutes. But Someday, someday we'll do the show in the midnight hour. Today is not that day. Coming up this hour, we will be taking some of your calls. And I think you'll uh, have a few thoughts that you'll wish to share, I'm sure. You're going to have a few thoughts to share about things going on around here and across the country. So don't fear. You will. You will have your opportunity coming up later this hour on News Radio WNBF. We uh, always enjoy hearing some of your thoughts and even maybe suggestions on how we can make the Binghamton area better. Coming up, we'll talk with Caitlin Jackson, who is uh, going to be in Binghamton next week as part of the National Tour of Anastasia. Caitlin Jackson from Norwich, not far from here in Shenango County. We'll speak with her live. We'll talk about Anastasia, which is coming up in a few days at the Forum Theater here in downtown Binghamton. So stay tuned for that. And also some very interesting topics between now and noon here on News Radio WNBF 921 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. If you're. It's 11.15 on WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. And coming up Monday and Tuesday in downtown Binghamton, Anastasia, the new Broadway musical, will be presented 7.30 p.m. both Monday and Tuesday at the Forum Theater. Just a few steps from where I'm standing right now here in the heart of the Parlor City. Joining us now live is Caitlin Jackson, who uh, is from Norwich and actually is joining us from a secure location in Shimung County in Elmira. Good morning, Caitlin. Good morning. How are you? Good. So you're in a glamorous location as you speak to us here on the <laughs> <I am>. radio. <laughs> I am. I'm in a stairwell in a hotel. <laughs> in Elmira, New York. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, the lobby is playing music. My roommate's sleeping, so you do what you got to do. Hey, and just imagine, if you will, Mark Twain wandering around somewhere in 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 Elmira. I love Elmira. I haven't been there in a while, but it's it's a yeah. nice place. All all part of the fabric of upstate New York, which of course you're very familiar with, uh, having grown yeah. up in Shenango County. Yeah, good old Norwich. Yeah. So tell us, uh, first of all, for people uh, not familiar, tell us about this production, this national tour of Anastasia. And certainly you're you're um, going to cover a, a lot of ground. Uh, you mentioned to me before we started on the air that uh, uh, most recently you were in Syracuse before the stop in Elmira. So this is, this is a, a busy tour. There'll be a, a lot of a lot of locations, including Binghamton, early next week. Yeah, yeah, we've been bouncing around a lot. The tour itself has been going for a, over a year and a half, but I've been with the company for about six months now. So we've been all over the Midwest, lots of Midwest states and East Coast states. Um, and right now we're in the Northeast and 
we'll head over to the West Coast a little bit later. So it's crazy. Um, Anastasia, the musical itself, is based on the 1997 animated film Anastasia that we all know and love. Um, but it's a, it's a little bit different. It takes a little bit more of a historical twist. But it's a beautiful show just about self-discovery and growth and the the rumored Romanov daughter who is rumored to survive. Um, it just follows this young girl named Anya, and she pairs up with a con man and an ex-aristocrat who think that maybe she might be Anastasia, and there's a big reward for her finding um, for her grandmother who survived and is in Paris. So they all join together, some for the money, some just trying to find themselves, and then it ends up being a beautiful story of love and self-discovery and just, you know, family and finding a place where you belong. Um, so it's something that everyone really can relate to. It's a visually stunning show. The music is beautiful. Um, it's not one to miss, for sure. Well, it sounds like fun, and we'll talk about how people will be able to obtain tickets uh, in a few minutes. Tell us a little bit about your story. I see on your website you describe yourself as a small-town girl with big aspirations. Tell me a little bit about your childhood in Norwich. Yeah, I grew up in Norwich. Um, I actually was originally um, from Afton. We started there, um, and then we moved to Norwich when I was young. Um, and then I just have been singing and dancing forever. I started dancing when I was two, um, singing, you know, since I could scream. My mom said I was a screamer as a baby, so got the lungs early. <laughs> um, and then just doing plays here and there. Um, and I had a little bit of my own singer-songwriter journey. I would perform around the community. And um, when I was 15, I was on American Idol, so that kind of set things going a little bit faster. Um, I recorded my second album of original music, the first one I was 12. Um, so the second one was after American Idol when I was 16, and then got a band together and toured locally around upstate New York and the tri-state area um, for a couple years while I was in high school. Um, and then when it was time to go to college, I always knew college was a goal of mine, um, and I couldn't decide between singing, dancing, or acting, so I said, let's do musical theater. You can do them all. <laughs> so... I went into, I got my BFA in acting at Ithaca College, and I focused on musical theater there, and then that was going really well, and then I graduated in 2020, which was right at the start of the pandemic, so theater industry really took a blow, um, but, you know, things are gearing up again, and um, after a couple knee surgeries, I have been able to audition, and here we are. This is this is my first real big girl adult professional contract. Um, so this has been a really, really exciting um, experience. This kind of feels like my American Idol opportunity of my adult life, my musical theater career so far. So we'll see what happens from here. But I'm having a really awesome time so far. Not bad for a small town girl from Schneider County. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell me uh, just about what what it's like performing and going from town to town because i i personally can't imagine it i i like my schedule i i have a very fixed schedule i'm here at the radio station with the talk program from nine to noon yeah. then i go out and do some reporting usually from noon to five and then i go back home and look at the day and prepare for the next day so it's all fairly regimented but i'm not on the road all the time i may find myself in different locations around Binghamton to report on sure. stories, but I'm trying to get a sense of what it's like to be part of a, a national tour like this with Anastasia. Yeah, it's it's beautiful and tough. <laughs> um, the, the good side of those has been being able to see so much of the country that I never would have been to before, like Manhattan, Kansas. Who knew that was a place? Um, you know, so 
you get to see all of these little corners of the world um, and meet all these really awesome people, um, which has been amazing. Um, but then, of course, on the other side, you're living out of a suitcase. Um, sometimes you don't have the luxury of being in a place for a week and you have one show in these locations. So you bust in, do your show at night, sleep in a hotel, get on the bus the next morning and do the thing all over again. So it's definitely um, an exhausting schedule. Um, we usually have eight shows a week, seven shows if we need a travel day, if we're going a far distance somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, it, it's tough on the body. It's tough on the brain. It feels like a, a tight little world. So being able to keep in touch with family and friends and remember that, you know, it's <laughs> there is a bigger picture outside of this little bubble um, is good too. But luckily the people here are wonderful and the community we've built is amazing. The show is a dream to do every single night. So um, that is, that's really amazing. But overall, just being able to bring this caliber of, of a production to people all across the country and Canada um, that wouldn't have been able to get to New York to see this. You know, it is the Broadway show on wheels. It's the same blocking, the same creative team. Um, everything's the same, same costumes. So um, you're, you're getting a Broadway show um, just really close to home. So that's been the most amazing part of it is being able to, you know, make something like this accessible to people who otherwise would not have been able to see it. So the first show in Elmira at Clement Center was last night? Yeah, it was last night. It went well. Yeah, I'm just looking at the schedule now. So you have one more tonight in Elmira, and then between the uh, the uh, shows in Elmira and Binghamton, in between that, you'll be down south in, in Scranton for... Yeah, uh... <laughs> we'll head to Scranton. Yeah, it's been crazy. Last night I actually... Um... I understudy the Countess Lily, um, one of the principals. So my normal track is the the Tsarina Alexandra, the Queen Mother, Anastasia's mother, and then various roles in the ensemble throughout the show as well. Um, but last night I was on for Countess Lily, one of the principals. So that was really exciting. I actually was able to go on for her in Syracuse as well. I had a ton of family come uh, see the show in Syracuse last week. So that was really awesome being able to you know, it's. I love my normal track. I really do. Being in the ensemble is so fun. Um, but you know, sometimes it's nice to get the little, the little promotion yeah. <laughs> every now yeah. and then. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be surprised then Monday and, and Tuesday that you might have some folks, whether other relatives or or friends, yeah. who will uh, see you here in Binghamton at the Forum Theater. Yeah, I know. I do. I know. I know. I've got. Some crowds coming. I'm pretty sure the the cast of the musical at Norwich is coming to one of the shows. So that's so sweet. I I um assistant directed their production of Cinderella last year, so I know a lot of them. So I'm excited for them to come. Some family and friends. It's it's so wonderful being able to perform close to home because with this, I mean, you're so far away. It's awesome to share the journey. And when I was doing my music and performing live, um, you know, you're right there with the audience. Um, but this is this is a little more challenging because, you know, we're always on the move. I've been able to see friends in random corners of the country that I haven't seen in years. But, you know, when, when so much of your people are, are right in this area, it's, it's really nice to be able to come so close and actually share this with them in person. See them afterwards, hug them. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, the uh, Binghamton performances will be uh, Monday evening and Tuesday evening at 730 at the Forum Theater uh, here in downtown Binghamton on, on Washington Street. Actually, it's just a few steps away from where our station is. And if people want more information, they can visit broadwayinbinghamton.com. That's broadwayinbinghamton.com. And who knows, early next week, if I'm walking around downtown Binghamton, I'll keep an eye out <laughs> for you if you see uh, 
to someone who sounds like me, it probably will be me, and I'll say hello to you. <laughs> Amazing. Yes, please do. Well, Caitlin Jackson, thank you so much for your time. I'm very uh, happy yeah. for your success, and I appreciate your uh, taking time to share some of your story with our listeners in Binghamton. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. You too. 1125 on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. And now it's time for you. What are your thoughts? What are your aspirations? What's your vision? 607-772-1290. You're listening to Bob Joseph live on News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF, WNBF.com. On a Thursday morning with Bob Joseph, we uh, are so glad to have you with us. I'll be here for another 30 minutes or so, and we will discuss the topics that appear to be relevant to you, the home viewer. So take a close look at your radio and then think about what you would wish to discuss right here at News Radio WNBF, WNBF.com. When you want news, you want news from your hometown or your home county. And now more than ever, you can get that from our website, WNBF.com. So if you want to see what I've been up to during my uh, travels around here, because every day, even before I show up here at the station, I probably am snooping around. Today it was Johnson City, stopping at three different places before I popped in here to the studio to uh, chat with Mayor Martin Maney. But, uh, yeah, watch out. I may be in your neighborhood. Look at some of these stories that I've reported on at WNBF.com in the last several days. There are Binghamton and Endwell and Owego and the town of Dickinson. Endicott. Oh, there's another one in Binghamton. There's another one in Johnson City. Look at these stories. The town of Union. It's amazing. It's, huh. I didn't realize I was doing all these stories. Oh. Another one, a Vestal. Another one in a week ago. Another. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. What kind of a vehicle am I using to be reporting on all these 
area stories. I don't know. I guess they call it the Bob Mobile. Anyway, see the stories that I am working on today as they are posted at WNBF.com. That's the uh, way to get a sense, one sense of uh, what is going on around here from the guy who is always willing to ask a few questions, try to get the information. Here's the official forecast from the National Weather Service. Cloudy today, a slight chance of rain and snow showers. High 36. Mostly cloudy tonight with a few snow showers. Mainly before midnight, low 25. Cloudy tomorrow, some snow showers in the morning, high 34. The weekend forecast, mostly cloudy Saturday, mild, high 40. And cloudy Sunday, with a few rain and snow showers. Coming all rain later in the day, Sunday's high 40. So when we have temperatures in the mid-30s and hitting 40, in late January, I can't complain. Well, I could complain because that's the human condition, but I won't complain because this is just every way I look at it. Every winter day where the high temperature gets above 32, that's a bonus day. Right now it's 36 in downtown Binghamton at News Radio WNBF. And WNBF.com, the parking garage. Where is the update on the parking garage? You know, if Al Boscov was around, I think the parking garage would have been built and open by now. But mysteriously, I look over there and I see no signs of any parking garage construction, and I'm worried. Because Al Boscoff is no longer around to protect Binghamton's interest, I'm concerned about the future. What if some people in Reading, Pennsylvania decide, well, we've had a nice run in Binghamton with our very unusual downtown department store, but now we have no parking to speak of. We have a few dozen spaces on the street and... A few spaces in the temporary surface lot, but we don't have a 500-space parking structure as we used to have, even though it was structurally deficient and certainly it needed to be replaced before it collapsed and killed people. But what is the big holdup? Using state-of-the-art parking garage construction technology which we've seen, they, they built a parking garage at Staten Hawley a few years ago, so we see how it can be done expeditiously. You just call up the, the place there in Massachusetts that makes all the, all the little segments, and then you get a bunch of people together with the a proper equipment and build it. And build it, and they will come. And so fortunately, we got, we received the new parking garage at 7 Holly Street after several years. I mean, there was another drawn-out production where many people thought we never would get to see that parking garage, but ultimately it was built, and generally speaking, it seems to be 
still operational, the last I checked. I think the elevator still works. So, But what about the parking garage over on uh, Water Street next to Boscov's? Again, who knows? I mean, the people at Boscov's aren't responsive when I call them to ask them what they think about no parking garage. They don't return the calls, so my guess is they probably aren't too pleased, but they want to be careful about what they say publicly. But from what I've heard, the some of the people at Boscov's at the corporate headquarters in Reading are not particularly amused by the parking situation. They had to go through the holiday season, the lucrative holiday season, with relatively few parking spaces. And again, every time I go by there, I see no sign that the new parking garage, plus the apartments, remember, lots of parking, they say. I believe they said it's down to maybe 503 parking slots, but that's that would be good. And then the apartments, so... Where's the project? Where's the piece? Where's the update? <laughs> I know, you're saying, but Bob, they they don't have to tell the people of Binghamton. They don't have to explain to the struggling downtown businesses anything about parking. When they're ready to speak, they'll hold a photo op. It's 1136. It's the new way of doing business in Binghamton at WNBF. WNBF. More, more, more calls as it seems appropriate. We'll see. We'll see if it's appropriate to take any more calls. I'm not sure. <clears throat> I'm not sure. I really am in the mood for calls, so. What else here? Oh, no. <laughs> Thank you, John. Let's see. What else is going on here on the email? Gannett Street. Wego Jesse says about Gannett Street. Actually, it's Gannett Drive. If that street is going to be renamed, then the same should be done with Watson Boulevard. Well, mm, well, thing about Thomas J. Watson, he did 
a lot more. Both Thomas J. Watson Sr. and Jr., those two guys did a lot more for Broome County than Gannett's printing plant did. And again, they can keep it Gannett dry forever if they think that's <laughs> if they think it's relevant. Watson Boulevard in uh, Endicott and Endwell goes past some places that indeed were very important to the community. The IBM facilities, both manufacturing facilities, and even there still is an IBM presence, actually, on Watson Boulevard in Endicott. So they're still here. They're not as big. Not as bulky, not as proud, but they they still have a presence in Endicott off Watson Boulevard, so I see no reason. I see no reason to remove Watson Boulevard, but Gannett, Gannett, you know, if Frank Gannett were still around, what would he say? Sometimes I use that question, variations of that question. If Frank Gannett were still around and saw what's going on with his newspaper empire, or, for that matter, Tom Watson Sr., or his son, Tommy Jr., or George F. Johnson, if all these people, Edwin Link, think about all these great people who brought so much to our communities, if they were transported back somehow through a fun time machine... If we could get them all here on the program tomorrow and chat for a few hours about what's become of the Triple Cities, what would they say? So Frank Gannett, his first newspaper was in Elmira, the Star Gazette. What, what would Frank Gannett think if he went to the newsroom of the Elmira Star Gazette or whatever? Is that what it is now? So I don't think he would recognize. He'd be shocked. And then he'd be shocked at what happened to the evening press. He'd be shocked at uh, what happened to the Sun Bulletin. He'd he'd just be shocked. He'd be shocked with uh, the Democrat Chronicle. So, And same with the shock. Of course, George F. Johnson would be, where are my shoe factories? What did you do with the shoe factories? Oh, there's... There's one. Now, or there are two shoe factories. Those are apartments. Oh, there's the Victory Building. That looks nice. But where where are they making the EJ shoes? And Edwin Link, he'd be driving around saying, where is, where is the Link facility? Where they're building all those high-tech simulators. So, yeah, it would be be interesting to see what people have to say. See what else are we seeing on the email? Oh, Ron from Binghamton. Well, that <laughs> I'm not going to read that email at this point in the program with 15 minutes to go. Uh, as far as the Watsons and IBM, yes, there in fact could be potentially. A reason to drop the Watson Boulevard name, but we're not we're not going to open that can of worms at this point in the program. Oh, thank you, Eric. 
Eric, thank you for that note. Actually, Eric, if you're listening, is that something... He, Eric just sent me a note about something that I was referencing earlier. <sighs> Eric, do you know why they're doing it? Is it temporary? Are they... Are they doing something strange there? So, actually, I'll... Well, he just sent me that. Eric, let me know if you know anything else aside from them doing what they're doing now. So I guess that might be why they were there. Let's see what else is going on here. Um, <laughs> and more emails. Eh, what else? And some of these emails are directed to me from people who, who've never even met me. I don't don't think so. About um, oh, this is what uh, it's before ten o'clock. We were talking about some of the railroad bridges crumbling, as well as um, flood walls in deplorable shape in the Binghamton area. And Tommy from Binghamton writes, Railroads have absolute control over railroad bridges that are above city streets. So that is true. That is true. And we know. We know what the position of the railroads is with respect to their bridges. Flood walls are inspected regularly by multiple agencies, including the Army Corps of Engineers, the State Department of Environmental Conservation, as well as local municipal agents. Well, I don't doubt that they're inspected regularly. As I recall, it was, I think, a cold day in January, if I'm not mistaken, when Mayor David held a news conference next to one of the structures. Let me see. I can find it. Oh. Because it was the coldest news conference in the history of news. And Mayor David scheduled it. Seems that it was on a January day. Oh, here it is. It was. So this is three years ago. And even now, looking back at the story, this is when Mayor David announced that a company had been retained for a project to review flood protection structures in an effort to obtain federal certification. So that was three years ago on one of the coldest days of January in 2020. Those were the days, my friend. That was a couple of months before everything shut down because of COVID. So Mayor David, now I'm looking at the pictures, even Mayor David looked chilly. Everybody looked chilly. He brought... Um, four people to stand behind him at the news conference, and even they looked like they were about ready to be sent to the emergency department for treatment of frostbite. So as the mayor said at the time, this was going to be the first phase to review flood protection structures. See, I don't recall the mayor ever holding a news conference to let us know how that turned out. Because I remember thinking, well, if they're going to do an inspection or review of the flood protection structures in Binghamton to obtain federal certification, they're going to probably observe some problems. 
So in the story that I did three years ago, it said, if the flood protection structures meet levy requirements, FEMA will provide the certification. And with certification, new flood insurance maps will identify levees and flood walls that provide adequate protection. Without federal certification, homeowners with mortgages could be required to obtain costly flood insurance. So there was the big announcement that they were going to look into the flood protection structures, but I don't remember any announcement about what they found. I I do recall bringing that up, I think, sometime later with Mayor David, and I, I think... I think the reply was, well, they're still looking into it. They're still looking into it. Or or maybe they weren't looking into it. Maybe they were still processing the information. But either way, you know, I, I don't think they ever, here it is more than three years later, I don't believe the city ever released the results of that effort about the flood protection facilities in Binghamton so well maybe they maybe they looked at them and said yeah they're they're fine nothing to see here it's 11:51 at news radio WNBF we're on the air at 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM. And you can always be connected with your favorite Binghamton radio program using the free WNBF app. Hi, I'm... Fifty-five at WNBF. Good news for one county executive in New York State. Steve McLaughlin is uh, smiling. Big, big smile. As seen on the Albany Times Union website. Huge smile after he was found not guilty on all charges. So Rensselaer County Executive Stephen McLaughlin was acquitted on all charges in a criminal case in which he was accused of stealing $5,000 from his campaign and falsifying records to try to cover up, cover it up. Story by um, vet, veteran reporter Robert Gavin at the Times Union website. And the verdict actually came in late Wednesday afternoon. Jurors began deliberations around 3.45, and it took them less than an hour to acquit the former state assemblyman, who is now Rensselaer County Executive, 
according to the story, um, his attorneys hugged supporters in the courtroom after the verdict was read, prompting applause. The two rows of seats for the public were mostly filled during what was a a day-and-a-half-long trial. The county executive, Steve McLaughlin, emerged from the courtroom and greeted reporters. Hello, everyone. How was your day? The Republican, who was elected county executive in 2017, thanked the jury, the judge, and his attorneys. He said the attorneys saw this case for what it was right from the beginning. McLaughlin, who had previously suggested the charges leveled against him by Attorney General Letitia James, who's a Democrat, he said they were politically motivated. So he thanked everybody, his family, friends, and girlfriends, uh, girlfriend, as well as her kids and his kids. He said, with that, you all have a good night. We'll speak later on. The uh, attorneys didn't have a whole lot to say. So the county executive, Steve McLaughlin, from Rensselaer County, is 59. He had faced the prospect of being ousted from the county's top office if convicted. Tis James issued a statement following the verdict saying that while she is, quote, disappointed in the jury's finding today, I respect their decision. The attorney general added... In her statement, I am proud of the case we brought before the court and stand by our efforts to hold County Executive McLaughlin accountable. She wrote that New Yorkers deserve to have faith in their public officials and can always count on my office to investigate allegations of corruption and fight for public integrity. The trial revolved around the issuance of a $5,000 campaign check to a guy who prosecutors described as a crime uh, covertly orchestrated by a powerful but financially strapped political boss through his bagman. Uh, kind of complicated, so I won't go into the details here, but uh, still, that was uh, a big development for people in the Albany area and uh, Rensselaer County after uh, high-profile charges were brought against the county executive. Again, uh, Steve McLaughlin was acquitted by that jury on Wednesday. So as they say, there you go. You just never know. And, And this reinforces what we often say. Maybe we don't say it frequently enough, but the bottom line is, regardless of who's accused of something, Remember, it's just an accusation. Everybody is presumed innocent unless and until they're found guilty by a jury at trial or if they enter a plea. So you just never know. So keep that in mind. The next time you hear a story about anyone facing charges or anyone who's been indicted, it's just an accusation. Then it's up to the government to actually demonstrate beyond a reasonable doubt that a crime occurred. And that's it, folks. I'm Bob Joseph. I'll be back tomorrow morning right here on WNBF Binghamton.